to the Elite Coaching Podcast. This is episode 17, I believe. I always get lost in thinking about where we are episode-wise. We're going to run through today um, improvement phases. I keep saying in my mind improvement seasons. I'm going to make a conscious effort not to say that. It's not like an Instagram pun, improvement seasons. It's not where you are in the improvement phase at the moment. And we are joined by our senior coach, Jody. How are you, bud? Oh, good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Having, having a good day so far. So we'll, we'll always kind of start off these chats by just giving like a little bit of a of a rundown of, of, of who we are and of course with yourself this is your first podcast you've jumped on since coming on board as the new senior coach so why don't you just give everyone a little bit of a background of of who you are and what it exactly is that you do inside of our team so my name's Jody obviously um, I'm the senior coach at team AD Elite um, only recently joined so I'm now taking on mainly um, clients looking to improve their knowledge and um, further their education around training and nutrition. Um, I recently competed in PCA PCA Manchester and came towards, yeah, in my first ever competition. So I'm now going into this improvement phase, hopefully to compete again then in September. No hope. No hope for you. Yeah, um, I thought it'd be a great, like a great, con- a great context, I suppose, to actually get Jody on today to speak about this because whenever we look at like a topic, it's always important to have someone on who is like either going through it at the moment or gone through it or has a great knowledge base around. It. And we're talking about this like uh, improvement phase, just to give a little bit of context behind Jody. So when we ran through Jody's prep last year, when we stripped everything back, we realized there was a lot of muscle mass there. But we also kind of realized that there was still just a little bit more that we needed. And I think when the two of us came away from that first show, we both could could agree that we were just out muscled on stage, right? Yeah, definitely. I definitely needed to build my glutes, delts. And if I'm doing PCA again, definitely my back. Um, because yeah. two girls that came for us, they had a lot more muscle than me. Yeah. And this is the, the, the great thing about bodybuilding it is that comparative sport right where you can actually see you can look at images you can look to your left and look to your right and say okay i, I know where where i need to to go and like i know where i need to improve on um and that's why you know the second we kind of came off from manchester it was like right pull the plug straight away like we had scheduled to do pca ireland which was two and a half weeks later and we had to do we had scheduled pca british finals as well but we both just agreed right there's no point in doing that unless we have the the muscle like we're not we don't ever get up there just to be competitive like you know we have that winners mentality where we're always going to try to get up there to win and when we actually did pull the plug and we started to kick off the improvement phase it was very beneficial like straight off the bat like we saw immediate improvements in muscle mass immediate improvements in strength body composition stayed in a really good place and um, so for yourself dude why don't you just kind of run through for everyone if they don't kind of know like already what it is in your words what would an improvement phase be so it's really when you're coming out of a diet phase, then you're going to take calories back up nice and slowly, I suppose, because after the show, you're so sensitive. <laughs> Everything is so sensitive. Um, but especially to food, you don't want to just go in and just slam 3,000 calories and put on body fat, put on um, literally your clothes and you put them on, don't fit. Like it's not a nice feeling. So you want to just take it up nice and slowly um introduce higher calories as the weeks go on exactly what we done um but don't get me wrong like as it as a girl it, it does get uncomfortable like now at the minute it's hard when you're going to put on your clothes um but it's it's nice to see in when you're in the gym like oh my god looking back at the logbook like probably shoulder pressing 12.5 kg on let's say the last couple of weeks in prep to now like 17.5s hopefully going to jump up to 20 like that's a big jump for me and I think that's that's the that's the thing that I strive towards, you know, get stronger, build muscle. Yeah, it's just incredible, like the proven phase now. Yeah, it's it's just kind of referring back to what you said there about like that exit strategy. So like whenever we're we're looking at a dieting phase, like a dieting phase should always have like a point A and a point B, right? We're looking at a start point and a finish point. But what so many people become very attached to is that process, they become very attached to that journey. But something that, you know, you will start to find is that the effectiveness of that journey then massively wears off. And we're not just talking about the bodybuilding here. We're talking about everything in general. A generalized dieting approach will have a phenomenal initial set point. Like your sensitivity to a diet straight out the gate is always fantastic. But the more of those cycles that you go through, like diet, stop, diet, stop, 
the, the effectiveness then just simply wears away because a principle of adaptation, your, your body's going to always adapt to what you are trying to do. You always need to impose those set principles, a specific adaptation that's going to immediately impose that demand of something to change. And when we're looking at an improvement phase, this is essentially us breaking the mold of a diet, like creating that kind of filling the gap almost of, okay, if you're going to diet during the summer and you're going to diet really well, and you're going to be very adherable and you're going to get yourself quite lean and get body comp into a good place. You don't have to diet again from one summer to the next. And, you know, Josh, my good friend, business partner in Performance HQ, he has a great kind of mentality behind this. He thinks, you know, you should only be dieting for about 10 to 15% of your year. And I love that mentality because number one, if you come into that approach of a diet, knowing that this is a one shot, like you have to get in and get out and the remainder of the year, we are basing it on improvement. You'll guaranteed you give that your 100%. The, the problem that lies is that people are so easy to just take the foot off the gas and think to themselves, oh, you know what, if I messed it up once, I can just go again. You know, I can just start off another diet two or three weeks time or maybe jump to this next six week transformation or this girl's doing a 12 week transformation starting off. I'll just jump. I'll just jump into that instead. Whereas the issue is not around the dieting approach that, you know, you were utilizing the issue essentially is around your ability to be ex- your ability to execute and your ability to have high adherence levels inside of that actual diet phase itself. So they're, they're getting like the kind of context point in this conversation is like myself and Jody are both in our improvement phase at the moment. And we're both out of, out of our diet, like quite a long time. And we're both moving towards that next dieting phase. And we're kind of picking up momentum and almost like building momentum towards that next dieting phase. Um, and that's like, uh, it's great what you said there about like, you know, your logbook. I fully agree. You know, you have to make that emotional attachment away from being super lean and then drive a new emotional attachment towards performance because what we can see here like short-term and also long-term short-term that consistent emotional attachment towards getting lean is not a good thing because you'll try to stay there your body will fight everything against it to try to move away from it and if you're not comfortable moving away from that that's when again this whole kind of yo-yo approach always sets in but then we look at long-term we can't diet for the rest of our life we can't remain in a deficit for the rest of our life and we can't push this like yo-yo approach for the next 10 15 20 years so we have to think of a way to become almost like a a, a yin and a yang where we have our diet we do you know we, we, we diet quite well we also have this aspect of our focus point which can be performance based and like you said you know looking back in your logbook pressing 12s now to 17 it's almost at 20s like that's the progression that we should be chasing but it's, it's very difficult how, how did you find actually making that switch from emotion being driven towards how we look on prep to then making that flip towards okay now it's performance base yeah like it definitely wasn't easy coming from being so lean um but i think having you there and having somebody to speak to about it and the likes of having derby and there's a couple of other girls as well that like you could see us coming out of the improvement phase together and like pushing pushing our weights up you know getting stronger um, but I think like mentally it hasn't been easy. Um, obviously the f- this is my first time doing it. Um, I've never been this this size before. Um, and it's 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 hard because you as I said, like obviously as a woman, you go to put on clothes, going out for some food, like it it's definitely not easy. But um I don't know, it just comes from just getting getting in and getting it done when you see improvements in the gym. And in, in your muscle, like my glutes have improved massively. And to be able to actually hip trust and not just move the way, move it with proper form. Mm. Um, yeah, just those improvements have really just pushed me on. And I kind of just got over the fact that, okay, when I, when I lean down the next time, I'll see this issue that I've built. And that's really what's driving me forward. I want to win next year, you know? Yeah. And we have we have that almost like a like effective roadmap in place where – okay, we, we knew where we were in 2021, like we, we dieted, we, we done, we had to do an effective straight into the, the improvement phase, but we had that like second diet almost aligned up. And I think that is a great way to actually like look at the, the forecast of what you're going to do ahead. It's like, you have to set something up, whether it's in like, you're like not, not effective immediate future, but six months down the line, nine months down the line, you have to have that end goal because like, 
like anything with, with an improvement phase, there has to be an A and a B. You know, you can't just get an improvement phase and stay there for 10 years. It's not going to have the same effect. You know, we're always looking at that like effective dose and you try to utilize minimal effective dose versus maximum effective dose. And if we're trying to minimize the effort that we're about to put into this, that's how you can keep body comp in a good, in a good place. You know, for us, we, we definitely hit like our upper end threshold of food quite high when we we're escalating food. And we knew we're pushing towards maximal here. But then again, like maximal um, input is going to return return an investment on maximal output as well. And when we're, look, we're looking at the output for us, it was like, okay, we're trying to build muscle, but we're not trying to accumulate too much body fat, knowing that we have to go into another prep um, next year. So just like a good take-home of that, like, again, like what is an, an improvement phase? It is just that like bridging gap really, isn't it? Like it's the best way I think we can both, we can both put on it. It's a bridging gap where whether you're a physique competitor or just anybody looking to improve their, their physique and we're kind of optimizing that physique development, it is a phase that you have to become comfortable in as well, you know, um, and, and a phase where we're able to almost like detach ourselves emotionally away from that dieting uh, protocol and just kind of push more towards that aspect of, of strength. Would you agree? I think if I, yeah, definitely. But I think like if I didn't have like the show to look forward to, I don't think I'd have that push as much. So I yeah. can understand and like see where girls wouldn't want to push um, if they didn't have something like this to look forward to. So you definitely can improve like in and around maintenance without putting on too much body fat. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, def- definitely. And like, there's, there's always going to be like a, a factor into this conversation about application. And whenever we're looking at like body fat accumulation, there's always going to be a position where we can say, okay, what was the cause of that? Because like, let's say we look at, you know, going from 1400 calories on prep like to enter a female into an improvement season you may only go from 14 to like 19 or even 2000 that's not that much of a jump considering how lean a female is going to be even anybody at the end of a diet phase when you are quite lean your ability to build new body fat is is quite low so you're going to be very anabolic meaning you're going to have a great ability to build muscle very not say very poor ability but medium to poor ability to build um body fat so when we're looking at making that like jump from one phase to the next and try to keep kind of body comp in that relative position a choice becomes huge here and what i mean by that is for for us to be able to make good food choices for us to be able to we're going to talk about nutritional adjustments at the moment but like having one healthy meal off plan per week versus having two unhealthy meals off plan and a small snack every single day. Okay, now that choice is kind of swinging that pendulum to the side of body fat accumulation instead of that pendulum staying on the side of like being relatively lean. Because again, when you look at like the actual effect of energy here, we never take people to energy down to minimal because you're still trying. So you're still trying, you still have output, like your neat levels. And a lot of people will still have some aspect of cardio as well for the initial kind of drop off away, which we're going to touch on now in a second, but like initial, initial adjustments. Um, so when you're looking at that, you know, the actual like effect of energy balance doesn't change massively, but food choices can determine everything here because food choices can be like an avalanche effect where like you have one thing and it just leads to another and another and another. Whereas if you're able to kind of control that aspect of a, a, like a, poor food choices then a lot a lot can change from a body comp perspective like again if you like it's how kind of quote-unquote like eat like an adult and like appreciate good quality food like we have a client lynn at the moment who is actually just had her only just started off her not prep but like a diet for dubai she's done her photo shoot prep got herself very lean like definitely met the requirement of photo shoot preparation we doubled her calories on prep so the deep end of her prep she's probably on about 14 40 to 1500 doubled her calories and weight is not budging. Like she's staying very, very lean. She's having like really good condition. Performance is improving, but her whole approach of nutritional um, adjustments is not based around having to make poor food choices. Like when you look at the food she consumes on a daily basis, she eats massive salad bowls every day. Her veg intake, fiber intake is like, skyrocketing at the moment like she's boosting all of her calories up from fiber from veg all from good 
food so food choices so and is Lynn on a meal plan or is she on no never used a meal plan with Lynn ever right. well yeah, all through her entire prep from start to finish we ran through flexible a flexible approach but like yeah she her her flexible is just do I want to have like rice potatoes or noodles today like it's not like oh, I'm gonna have like a rice crispy bar instead of mm-hmm. having like a bowl of oats like she is like textbook with her nutrition she knows it inside out she's a coach she's a probably works with females and she knows her food inside out but it's that whole like choice choice factor you know she made a conscious choice post prep not to allow body fat to go higher she made a conscious choice that when she had meals off plan they were very she went to a restaurant she went to sushi she went to got a steak dinner you know she wasn't sitting at home eating like a domino's pizza and having like chocolate every day like her increases of like we actually doubled her food but when she looked at doubling or what was she doubling it from more good carbohydrates more protein way way more fiber and that's again that whole like choice perspective when you ask the question like what what's the difference here the difference really is based on choice you know some people make that conscious choice to have a good rebound and enter that improvement phase in a good position and some people just do find it difficult and look i have a lot of patience for that as well because i understand how hard it can be you know not everyone has that willpower that Lynn has to be able to say like no to things and be able to control things quite well. But that is something that you just learn. Like Lynn, Lynn's quite experienced. She's done a, a load of these diets before. She knows how to like, she knows what to do right and knows what to do wrong. And it just, sometimes it comes down to trial and error. And you know, one thing we can never be disheartened with is if we try something and we kind of fuck it up and we get it wrong, can't be disheartened to try it again and get it right the second time. Cause you can diet pretty aggressively and come out of it in a very safe way. And a lot of people kind of get, almost scared to the fact that they have one bad rebound and they think, oh, fuck, that's me done from a diet and perspective, you know? Yeah, I think that definitely, like, when I was given the flexible approach, I, at, at first I was like, oh, yeah, I can eat what I want. I can have this, I can have that. And it definitely didn't suit me. I didn't have that control. Um, so I asked to be put back on a meal plan, which definitely suits me better now. I know what I'm eating every day. Yeah. I get up, I have my oats and... I enjoy that, like, you know, that regimented approach to it, like, you know, 365, I suppose, bodybuilding, because if I was given the the leeway to do it, I think I would go a little bit too crazy sometimes. Yeah. But it, it is it is very client dependent. And this is the next thing we want to we want to touch on, like entering into that improvement phase, like what from like a nutritional setup perspective, like what what do we want to run with? We always have to look at each client and be able to assess them as an individual, you know, looking at their ability to you, your, your ability to give them something they can do on a daily basis, you know, your ability to, to provide something to them that they can easily achieve every single day. And for a lot of people, you know, we always have to factor like restriction into this conversation as well. And when you look at like an improvement phase, we always want to like weigh up the pro and the con here about, you know, is restrictive is restriction important in an improvement phase or is flexibility more important? The big thing that we want to bring in here is, you know, having that option to keep as, as flexible of an approach as possible, because again, we want to look at like setting up for that, almost like setting up for that next, next diet and phase. Um, but it is very, very individualistic and, you know, new food behaviors are so important. And for some people, they respond well to restriction. And for some people, they don't. And when we're looking at the dieting phase, we always have to just weigh up that need analysis to say, look, there is a need to have restriction in play here. Like 100%. We can all agree on that. But there is somewhat not of a need to have it in a improvement phase because calories are higher. You're in a caloric surplus. You have an ability to have a meal off plan per week. Whereas in the diet phase, everything is on the flip side of that. You know, you've in a deficit no meals off plan per week and um, and you need to keep things regimented and i always think you know this kind of paradigm of power almost where when we're talking about it a diet phase we want to think like that paradigm of power almost being in the coach's hands you know the coach controlled energy balance you know what what he says goes because the goal is requiring us to do that but then when we look at an improvement phase like we're going to talk about like nutritional adaptations and how we kind of run with that now in a second but the setup of nutrition the goal almost counter um counter counteracts with restriction you know because when we look at the, the goal it's about improvement it's about flexibility you know it's, it's about making sure we can take time off the diet so that like nutritional behavior we almost want to be like eliciting that from day one but it, it is trial and error very very important we can say trial and error because we saw like with yourself first thing we done was like right let's run it by the textbook here let's get you out of the diet 
Let's get her on off a meal plan. Let's get her on the flexible approach and just simply just didn't work for you, right? Yeah, no, it definitely didn't work for me. Um, when I came home, I like I, I needed that meal plan there or else I would have just eaten probably like chocolate, crisps, everything that I would have craved when I was on a diet, which obviously was just going to put body fat on if I was to do that. So I asked for my own sake to be put back on a meal plan. I think it was definitely the best option as well, especially when you're busy. Yeah, big time. I think like kind of reverting back to what we were saying earlier on about that like lessons learned. Like I think maybe the next time around, like when we wrap up our prep in October this year for you, you might actually be able to appreciate that flexibility a bit more because again, like you went through it last time. Like I went through my 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 rebounding phase and maybe my like behaviors probably could have been a touch better here or there. But like you kind of learn from that mistake and you're like, okay, like would you make the same mistake again? Probably not, right? No, definitely not. I think I'd be in control of it a lot more again though you say that and then you get down to yeah. really low levels of food and high output and you crave these foods of course like you know um so i think maybe the same i would like this in the next time and um, the same foods but just obviously bigger portions yeah. sorry i've got a really well dog sorry but that, that whole like approach of like flexibility that's what we need to be we need to be like really factoring in here is that okay well when we're looking at flexibility of, of the same foods and like almost making the same food choices, like that is, is really important. So what we're going to touch on next is actual nutritional adjustments and what we can do kind of straight out the gate. So when we initially leave our dieting phase, of course, we're in like, like you said, they're low, low intake and high output. When we're looking at like making these adjustments, what we want to try to factor in first is every single dieting phase, no matter if it's for a photo prep, contest prep, holiday wedding just a mini cut to lose and no matter what it is you have to factor in recovery first this whole thing of diet recover rebound that protocol needs to be met every single time so what i'll do straight off the bat is i will actually get food into almost like a a highest point possible for the first week or two and what we're looking for here is recovery so looking for like hormone recovery and restoration we're looking for a massive improvement in hunger signaling hormones so you're kind of ghrelin to leptin ratio we're looking for food behaviors to change so that kind of mindset switch away from like lower food and that like attachment towards lower food we'll try to elicit that straight out the gate so we'll, we'll push food up like let's say for example here if a female is dieting on 1400 calories we know her low point is 14 so we have to establish a high point then we have to establish a middle ground as well so if we know her low point is 14 and her high point is 2000 okay, we can probably meet in the middle there around 1750 somewhere, 1600 calories, and that's our middle ground. So we're kind of looking at this almost effective immediate approach from low to high. We hold high for about a week to 10 days, and then we drop it back down to, to the medium ground. And that medium ground is going to be like your starting point for your improvement phase. Because essentially what you've done there, you've thrown a massive curveball to metabolic adaptation. You've got your metabolism to get itself away from 1400 calories up to 2000 calories, but then you've brought it back down again. So you've caused like a spike and a drop in metabolic demand almost effective immediately. And that can be very, very beneficial for somebody who is starting off an improvement phase because that increase in demand and metabolic adaptation, like that's what's going to be a booster for all those hormone um, kind of um, improvements that we're trying to make as well, especially around like that kind of hunger hormone ghrelin like we want to like kill him in the bud like he's had enough time to be operating during that dieting phase like obviously when you have that hunger signaling response we want to just try to cool that down a little bit so that that first adjustment is important because that's kind of crucial that's you prioritizing recovery and then we can start to make that adjustment into the rebound now when we're making an adjustment here we want to be looking at everything across the board so you want to be looking at initial nutritional intake and um, you want to be looking at additional sorry and um, kind of um, additional output so like where was their cardio at at, at the starting point where is the neat levels at and then where was the training at as well so you've got your food cardio needs and training four variables that all need to be adjusted straight off the gate because you have to think the goal post has now changed you know the goal focus of in a diet is training to try to build if if possible or maintain as much muscle as possible nutrition was down to fat loss that was the goal cardio knee was down to fat loss that, that was that was the goal post the goal of fat loss is now gone so the approach has to change so the approach for us now is coming to recovery going into rebound 
It's about building tissue. It's about trying to get you out of that dieting effect, trying to improve hormone restoration, trying to get you more goal focused towards performance based that everything inside that conversation then has to change. So when we look at food intake, it, food intake will, will be based in, in my opinion on that hunger signal response. So when you do that flipping metabolic adaptation from high to low, so from low to high to medium, you will see like a massive push out of hunger signal coming across the first couple of weeks of that, of that change. And for us as coaches, it is important to always note their hunger levels. First four to six weeks, pay attention to their hunger, pay attention to their cravings, pay attention to their want and desire to eat certain things. Because if they're, we're consuming 1400 calories in the diet and you've brought them up to a high point and back down again, and they're sitting at 1700, but they're still very hungry. This, the food could still be too low. So that hunger response is always a sign in my eyes that food will have to be titrated back up again. Or it could also be a point to say their output level still might be too high. You know, if you had someone on 15,000 steps a day during a dieting phase and you never made that adjustment back down, that 15,000 steps has to be equated for. Calories have to be used towards that level of output. So this is something we have to be very careful about is the intake they're providing at the moment should not be driven towards what can we get from an expenditure standpoint. So assessing their expenditure levels is, is important. And that would be one of the first things, again, we'd make that immediate drop down from so let's say we take them from even 15,000 steps a day down to 10 that's going to cut out like p.m walk time that's going to cut out a.m walk time that's going to cut out like additional expenditure that they're going to be trying to accumulate throughout the day to meet that demand we know that when it, when it comes to need yes in a in a dieting situation like it is important to keep that level high like it's important to keep your level of need there but in an improvement in an improvement phase I'd be more aspecting daylight exposure, you know, trying to elicit stress response on the body, trying to wash off any type of fatigue that we might be having from the diet itself. And then looking at cardio, this has to be titrated down as food is titrated up because we can't have, we can't have an immediate flip around. So if you're on an hour's cardio a day at 1400 calories and you do no cardio to two and a half thousand calories, okay, you're going to have a bit of a problem here because there's a huge paradigm shift, that whole kind of pendulum swinging approach. You went from aggressive diet to aggressive surplus and an aggressive action is going to hone an aggressive response. So if we're looking at what can we do to try to ease off that aggressive response, it's ease off the aggressive action as well. You know, if you're on an hour's cardio a day, drop it down to a half an hour, drop down little things that you can do like the intensity of the cardio. Like if we had a, a lot of our clients would look at like heart rate BPM as like a monitoring tool during cardio, like we could provide let's say 40 minutes of cardio at 120 to 140 BPM. Or for, for a lot of us, we would look at doubling our resting heart rate. So whenever your client's resting heart rate is double it, and that'll be their demand for, for cardio, even drop the BPM, you know, keep their cardio duration the same, but drop it down to 70 BPM. So for them getting on a Stairmaster, and working their fucking ass off for 40 minutes, you can just drop it down to 30 minutes, but lower down the BPM heart rate requirements, and you're going to massively take down the expenditure, but they're still being quite active. You know, you're making this like very slow and steady approach. And again, touch on what we said earlier, like that slow and steady approach to manipulate an output is going to slow down the position of that response. You know, we're talking about staying quite lean. And again, referring back to lean as a prime example here, lean never dropped cardio from dieting phase to improvement phase now back into a diet kept it in every single day but again we just lowered down the intensity so it was 45 minutes on the stairmaster to 25 minutes on the spin bike pre-workout and that whole approach pre-workout was just get the mindset ready get you know your focus point in get on the bike listen to a podcast listen to music and just get yourself kind of pumped up ready for the session but the expenditure never really changed like a little drop off but we were able to manage keeping that aggressive response like calm and, and, and collective and we're able to mitigate any like aggressive change by being very cautious with those with those 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 responses um I think as well like when you do keep cardio and i know like from myself keeping cardio in and um, it can help with your mental state as well i know because you go from being on prep to doing however many hours cardio a week to just all of a sudden dropping it down and keep dropping it down keep dropping it down to like 15 minutes or if you keep it up that little bit higher, it can make you feel better as well mentally, I think. Yeah. Big time. And you, you look at like the, the positives we can get from CV work, like 
how it can improve like heart health, kidney health, when you're looking at from a performance standpoint, what it can do on the gym floor. Like if we're looking, working in like high rep range, back offsets, we have any type of workout that demands more metabolic response. That's all going to play a very, very big impact on how the heart can function. And if we're able to keep some level of CV in and Like you said, it is that like declining effect, but that declining effect where we are like is take, taking down the demand on the heart. Like if you're doing 45 minutes at, you know, 120 to 140 BPM on the stairs versus, you know, 15, 20 minutes on spin bike, huge shift change in the demand. And again, stress and pressure on the heart as well. You know, that, that can obviously needs to be factored in, you know, that level of output and strain, it's not good all the time, but there's, there's a need analysis um, a need analysis behind it. So that would be the kind of like the initial changes and how, how I would like to run things. And then just kind of touch, touching back there, I, I just want, don't want to gloss over that nutritional adjustment set point. Um, once we have that nutritional set point created, then there are certain things that I would be looking for from marker points of when to improve. So number one, body composition. Like if you feel that at 2000 calories, body comp is massively in, in body composition is going the, the negative way. Like we're accumulating way too much body fat. Okay. We have hit our high point again. So I was referring to that like low, high and medium. We're touching back up to that high point. Maybe we don't always need to be there. Then looking at, you know, hunger signal response, you know, craving signal response and then performance as well. You know, performance should all, should always come in retrospect to like honest performance in the care. So like you said, Joe, like you're on 17.5 and you're stuck on 17s and for everything in your might and power, you could not push past 17s. That's a good indicator that we could say, okay, maybe we need to be assessing recovery capabilities a little bit more and then food intake. You know, if I can provide you with an extra 250 calories per day, would in a two or three week period, that amount of energy be able to provide more stimulus for you to be able to push them? Potentially, that's an argument that we can all we can always make. Flip side to that is that people get fucking freakishly strong during prep. So we could always be looking at like both of them. Like you can get very strong on low food and you can get quite strong on high food as well. Obviously, very, very dependent to the actual individual themselves. But looking at performance indicators, yeah, it's, it's a big one for, for us. And again, like you're always looking at this like need analysis. You don't always need to run on super high food. You know, people think coming out of prep, I need to get my food from 1,400 calories up to 2,800 calories very few females that will be, be able to actually remain at a pretty decent body composition and have to feel that high. Very few. Like I've, we've had of all the clients that we've done preps with diets, with rebounds, with our middle ground of where we hold, it's never usually that high. You have some freaks that are able to capacitate that amount of field and people have unbelievable, um, you know, metabolic demand and function, but they are few and far between. For the average person who doesn't have, I hate to use this word, but like a quote unquote, a great metabolism, um, your middle ground might be a little bit lower, but just coming accepting of that, you know, knowing almost knowing it before entering the diet that that flip ground of where you were going to push your food up to is still going to be like in that medium level. Like you might not ever titrate your food up because again, the more we titrate up, that aggressive response is just going to, is going to continue, you know? And when, when do you say, um, when do you know when somebody's at that? Like when they have certain amounts of body fat and body composition? Just, you see, uh, when you're looking at like analysis here, it's, it's a very, very important to use week to week, month to month, like almost phase to phase analysis. So if a client has just finished off her diet and we're starting to push body weight back on, the first thing that we ought, we need to bring into the consideration here, it's healthy. It's a healthy thing to do. Like as a female, it is healthy for you to put on body fat. As a male, it is healthy for us to put on body fat. You give me five benefits of staying very lean all year round. I'll give you 20 negatives to that. You have to, again, have that position of understanding when is the right time to stay very, very lean and when is the right time to not. But then also, you have to understand where is the point of diminishing return. Like where is the point where we pushed it too far or like, okay, we actually need to scale this back now. Um, for a female, it would just be looking at like their, their week to week photographs, but then like looking at month to month as well. So like if we finish our diet in December, where was body comp the first of, sorry, we finish our diet in December yet. Where is body comp first January? Where's body comp first of March? Where's body comp first of, of, of April, May? You know, we, we always want to look at as the months go by, because it can be very, very difficult to see week to week. It's very tricky to analyze physiques week to week. It's always good to have, 
a starting point and then always using that starting point as almost like a reference tool. So we have like the finish point of your diet and we just always do a comparison from where we are at the moment back to that, back to that starting point. Um, what would you say for people with like digestion issues as well then like coming out of a prep yeah we're, we're going to touch on that now in a sec and we're going to go on to um like um feedback markers like digestion stress management sleep etc um coming out coming out with prep but just to just to, to, to finalize that question just while it's the channel tip me tongue here and um, just having like the the analysis of knowing when it's creeping up too much that that's when you just touch it down a little bit you know we drop calories down by 150 200 calories just to kind of slow down the momentum a little bit and what you'll see is as again you're doing that like month-to-month progression maybe the next month when you touch it back down you'll see a drastic improvement and when they see that drastic improvement as well that's almost like your time to okay maybe we'll just titrate that up a little bit slower then and um, but yeah looking at like the analysis is very important just so you know where to keep pushing and you know then like where to be able to pull from you know yeah make sense Definitely. All right, so we'll go through um actual like feedback markers now. So, um, when we're when we're looking at entering into this Im- improvement phase, like you you touched on yourself, like digestion is always going to be one of those things that we need to keep control of. So, um, what was your what was your question again about digestion? Like when you're coming from prep, let's say somebody that goes from eating the meal plan um after doing either a photo shoot prep or a competition prep, and their digestion is on point. To them, when you start to bring calories back up, or if you're not following your meal plan and you're following just calories, macros, and then your digestion is off, like what would you recommend for somebody? Well, I think the, the first thing we want to assess with that is like what aspect of digestion is off. Is it, is it, and this is again a huge, huge common misconception are you full or are you bloated? You know, because a lot of people, you have to appreciate food volume here. And if you go from 1,400 calories a day to 2,200 calories a day, your GI has become so welcoming to 1,400 calories that when you start to flip reverse that up, is your GI then going to be welcoming because it has more food to break down now? Now, the, the, the positive to this is that we're always going to have this like improvement in energy demand as well. So when we look at like your total daily energy expenditure and we look into your resting energy expenditure, we now have more calories available to be able to break food down. Like we now have more energy providing to the gastrointestinal system to be able to digest more food and break more food down. So if we're looking at, you know, poor digestive stress, and it's not just from food volume, we're looking at loose stool, we're looking at constipation, we're looking at excessive bloating. I would be just looking at, I'd be looking at food quality at that point. You know, if it was something on the, on, on the meal plan that we have given them and it's just not tolerating changes straight away, if we're looking at nutritional setup, i.e. like their, their type of food they're consuming, the quality of the food that they are consuming, then as a coach, it's it's definitely in your power to step in and say, look, you need to tidy that up. Because if you've gone from having, like we said, no meals off plan for majority of some diets, or if some people have them, it will always be quite conscious and there'll be, you know, something that they'll be, they'll be um, able to track and make a Camille, a sushi, something along those lines to then have them like a Domino's. Like you go six, seven weeks without eating anything like that and have one and see how that impacts your GI. But also we become very accustomed to having that, you know, when we're in like an off season phase, we become quite accustomed to having that food and it's like almost like there's more of like an allowance for that food. And then when you enter into prep and you have one, you actually realize that okay, maybe like my gut was just pretty damn strong and it was able to break that down and tolerate it. But I know this is not good for gut health. You know, it's not good for optimizing digestive function. So when we're looking at like keeping a healthy GI, I think the first thing we need to look at here is actually fluid intake in, into the body. So when we're on prep, we become so regimented with everything, right? We become so regimented with our steps, so regimented with our with our output, so regimented with um training, nutrition, food intake, and water intake. Like you can guarantee on prep, like both of us, if we're on prep, we'd be easily consuming four and a half, five, six liters of water a day, right? It's just like built into us. Then we jump into the improvement season. What happens? It goes down to probably two, two and a half liters of water, right? But again, referring back to always what we're talking about, but output, 
there's never like a huge paradigm shift in output. Like, yes, we might drop our cardio down a little bit. We might drop our steps, but we're still training five days a week. We're still having, if not higher expenditure from those sessions, but the more load that we're able to lift, but yet we neglect fluid intake. And we know fluid intake is a huge factor in digestive function. Now, for us to be able to optimally have very healthy GI functionality, very healthy stool movements, excretion of fluid comes from urination, sweat, and stool. So if we have high water coming in, we've got high water coming out. Bloating and constipation. First thing I'd be looking at is fluid intake. And then looking at food hygiene, you know, now we, we only touched on this with one of our clients during the week talking about food hygiene, you know, where are they consuming their meals? Again, on prep, we become quite inclusive, we become quite regimented. We tend to eat our meals away from people but also we're like indirectly improving food behaviors then because we're taking ourselves okay i'm not gonna you know go into the canteen with this cod and asparagus i'm gonna maybe go out to my car listen to a podcast and i'll eat it out there but like indirectly you're improving your food behaviors because you're taking yourself away from stressful situations and you're able to actually relax you know allow that kind of central nervous system to deactivate more uh, sympathetic tone or parasympathetic tone should i say and your digestive function is automatically going to increase whereas when we're in the improvement phase, that can that can suffer as well because we just become a little bit more lackadaisy where our food food becomes quite social in the um in the improvement phase. And again, when we look at those like social environments of eating, we could look at them as more sympathetic environments. You know, you have a lot of people around you, you become quite 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 conscious in those situations. Um, and you know, that can again like downregulate GI function. So yeah, I'd look at fluid intake straight off the bat. Um, and then I'd look at like your, your nutritional behaviors and food hygiene as well. So can we keep our food hygiene at a high priority? If you can, your, your GI should, should be in a, dec- a better position. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. And the, the 5, 10, 15, 20 rule as well. Yeah, that, that, that's just, it, that's, for anyone who doesn't know, 5, 10, 15, 20 mm-hmm. rule is a rule that we have inside the business where we try to just improve that food behavior. So we make sure we have five big deep belly breaths before we consume the meal. We make sure we have at least, you know, 10 seconds between each, each mouthful, 15 minutes per meal and 20 chews per mouthful. So just that whole approach of like being able to slow your food down, being able to actively chew your food, like look at that like mechanical breakdown of nutrients, allowing additional saliva production from having that mechanical, so why God gave us teeth to be actually able to break down food, which is a signal response. So the second you chew, saliva and acid is being produced, basically, and the more saliva we produce, the more acid we produce in the gut, that kind of relationship from saliva to acid. Um, and just having, again, an effective time to sit down and put 15 minutes on a stopwatch, it forces you to slow down. Like it forces that principle of being in a relaxed environment. But yeah, 5, 10, 15, 20 euros is a brilliant one for improving um, improving GI stress. Yeah. Um, we'll look at sleep next. So sleep, I think, is going to be is going to be one that will, will, will improve almost effective immediately, but also can be one that can drop off as well. So did you notice any shift change in your sleep quality coming from prep into improvement? Yeah, definitely improved. Like coming out of the prep, um, towards the end of prep, it was got quite bad. And then as I was in the rebound, it started to get better each week um, and better each week. So definitely improved for me anyway. Yeah. I think the, the big thing there is for us, like when we're looking at our clients, what we want to always identify is the behaviors. So when, when we have like somebody like yourself who, you know, remained quite regimented with things, you know, blue light blocking glasses, use your use of pre-bed supplementation, you know, being off the phone, you never really drop the ball with that one. But that's always one of those things, just like water intake that people will always just drop the ball with. And I think more times than not, we will see like a negative coming from from sleep because, again, it's, it's that like habitual approach. You know, when we're on prep, we go to bed early because you have to get up early because if somebody has like a nine to five, they got to get up like 60 to their cardio. Or if somebody has, you know, a, um, a very busy coaching schedule, they got to get up, do their morning clients, then get their cardio in. And they will always have something in the morning time that's going to force that earlier level of activity. But then again, when we're on prep and that gets pulled away and we go from fasted cardio to maybe fed cardio or pre-workout or post-workout, that sleep structure almost automatically changes you know we go from having a 9 p.m sleep time to having an 11 12 p.m sleep time we go from being off the phone 
an hour and a half before we go to bed to right up until the second we close our eyes, phones in front of our face. And it's those little things that just drop the ball. But then, you know, what we need to be thinking about is this whole kind of mentality of like 365, where if we're looking to improve physique development, it's like those are the things that we can't drop away. You know, we know that sleep has a huge importance in recovery. You know, when we look at deep sleep percentages, for a prime example, like a lot of our clients will track their percentages of sleep every single night. So REM and deep sleep, awakefulness and light sleep. When we are looking at deep sleep in an improvement phase, this is important to track because deep sleep percentages are always going to correlate towards your rate of recovery because over a 24 hour window, your resting heart rate drops to its lowest position during a deep sleep. If you are overtrained or under recovered, your resting heart rate will be elevated. So your percentage of deep sleep is going to decrease so if we're looking at like protocols and identification points that we can look at from a check-in sheet, if you are pushing strength up and you're seeing those deep sleep percentages drop, you know, okay, I'm maybe pushing the boat too far, or I might just need to shift the paradigm of emphasis maybe towards recovery a little bit more. But then you're like, if you're like indirectly neglecting your sleep and your training performance is going up and you're under-recovered, then you're really going to suffer with issues with your sleep because now you have like, a voluntary and an involuntary cause of your sleep becoming down. You know, the voluntary, of course, being us, not neglect, not in having the pre-bed routine, not being off the phone. And so the involuntary is going to be like your, your training because that's going to cause the, the approach of, of physical um, down-regulation and recovery. Yeah, I think that's what um, is happening to me now at the minute. I think I've gone to nearly like high volume in my training that's, it's pushing sleep a little bit, a little bit out now, I think. So I think, really yeah, for, for us, with you, it's like, we're just trying to push that, push that boat so much because we're, we're starting prepping, what, like 11 weeks? Yeah. <clears throat> we kick off with prep, so we're trying to, like, make up for that ground. But you are, you're managing it quite well. You know, your sleep hasn't gotten to a point where we're, like, getting worried about it or, like, we're, it hasn't gotten to a point where we're saying, right, that, that you have to change something here. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not too bad. Bad. <laughs> it's, not too, it's not too bad um we look at stress now so in this improvement phase stress can can now start to become from from other avenues and other areas so for us you know we will always identify stress from from what we know as stress so when you're during prep we'll identify as your cardio your output low levels of, of body fat of course the body is in a very stressful environment but then when you look at in an improvement phase there can be a lot of different stressors that can occur so you're looking at like the psychological stress of seeing the scale weight move up when you look at the additional now physical stress from from the amount of load that you're lifting when we look at stress like it's almost effective importance to understand the impact that it can have on the body so when we look at that down regulation in gi we look at like a huge and um, disimprovement in, in sex hormone pathways when you look at sleep drop off but the one thing that we fail to do inside the improvement phase is actually try to actively improve that stress response. So when we look at stress, I think it's always important to identify like a cause and a cure. Like when we're looking at stress, we can't just say, okay, a thousand milligrams of ashwagandha tonight and you're good to go, but stress will be gone tomorrow. That's the cure, but we don't know where the cause is. So the cause is always going to be the best approach to take. So just being very honest in sort of like checking sheets and stuff about psychological aspect of like where you are at the moment like are you finding this phase very very difficult like are you finding it hard to see the scale it move up because you might be like inadvertently speaking that to yourself and like maybe to like your partner etc but if you don't express that to your coach and you start to see hrv be a little bit skewed sleep be a little bit off what are we going to do we're going to look at training we're going to look at output we're going to look at food and if we start to make adjustments there but the actual cause is not what we think it is, well, then we have the wrong cure. And you always want to be like thinking, what is the right cure to this problem? So I think around stress here, it just comes down to honesty. You know, if you feel like training is being too high or too aggressive, just speak it. If you feel like body comp is moving in a different direction, again, just speak it. And if you feel like there's always this opportunity for us to become better and for us to have a better relationship as coach to client, it is important, again, for us to be able to have those open conversations because as, as we always, you know, our motto in our business is we don't sell a service. We only sell solutions to problems. Coach is our solution based. And when it comes down to stress, our solution is finding the cause. And if you are not open and honest 
as an athlete, as a client, about where those stresses are coming from, it's very difficult for us to be able to identify that, you know? Mm, definitely. No, I definitely think the check-in sheets are, like, most important because you don't always, like, when you're speaking to your coach, you won't always say, hey, look, I'm feeling really shit today. But if you put it in yeah. the check-in sheets, at least then you can address it then in your check-in. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, like, when we look at our check-in sheets, we have, like, a lot of different questions are asked in like indirect ways so we have maybe three or four different ways of asking different questions but then we have a, a chance for clients to actually voice if something is wrong at the end of it and this is important like you said like to be able to have like the confidence to be able to express it on your check-in sheet because the more we know the more we can help um right so i think what we'll do now is we'll actually look at exit strategies um from a improvement phase so we've kind of gone through like what is an improvement phase we've gone through nutritional setup we've gotten through that kind of ability to keep health marker improvements moving right the way up and from an an exit standpoint then what would you what would you look at uh, jody as like the actual point saying right now we need to we need to move away from this and we need to move into the next phase well if you have a goal in mind i suppose that would be the first one and so for myself it's going to be a show so we're looking at taking food as high as we possibly can and then um gradually bringing it down so yeah that that'd be the force and i get everything in order for us your hrv a rest and heart rate make sure everything is running efficiently you're as strong as you possibly can be um and then enter into the diet phase because without all that it's not really going to work is it yeah, no, Jesus Christ, no. It's almost like this this mentality of like creating the perfect diet and start point. You know, that's like what we're we're trying to really like emphasize here. Like you said there, like we touch on feedback markers. You have a chance during this improvement phase to create an as easy of a diet as possible the next time around. And like you like you touched on, you know, looking at like functional data points like HRV resting heart rate, you get them into optimal ranges. You know, as the old saying goes, and you get them healthy, you get them responsive your rate of like hormonal um, acquisition is going to be so high. Like where's your fat metabolism at? Where's your insulin sensitivity at? Where is your ability to produce high levels of expenditure by being able to control that sympathetic parasympathetic response? You will have like a, the best return on, on your investment ever exiting a, 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 an improvement phase will be to improve those marker points. Um, what you touched on about, about strength as well there, yeah, it's very important. To factor in, you know, when we look at like starting off a diet, having strength in the highest position possible, it's such a good accountability tool. Because as we spoke about earlier on, you can get strong in a diet, you can get strong in, in an improvement phase. It is down to you, the individual. But when you have those baselines to, to work off, and that was like almost like a um a set a set point for strength, where you're like, okay, may, I might not move from move up from here, but I know where I can be. So when you start to see like a hip thrust go from 180 kilo down to maybe like 130 like okay you have to address that and say is that me like actively doing that or is just energy too bad or am i just not really like applying myself you know you put, put a gun to someone's head when we go from a show they'll be able to perform just like they performed at the start of their diet like we all know that that's, that's the case sometimes it just can be can be a little bit tricky um and yeah setting setting that new goal so when you're when you're looking at like your road mapping for clients, is that one of the first things you'll do? Like we'll, we'll, we'll plan the diet. And then when we're like planning that improvement phase, will you have for them like a set, a set exit strategy point where they go, right, here's diet number two. Uh, yeah. So if you're in a diet phase, let's say for 20 weeks, and um, then you're going to be in a rebound for roughly six to eight weeks mm-hmm. and then take calories up higher. And um, obviously above maintenance and push them as high as you can. And then take them down gradually, and um, before you went then into your diet phase, making sure everything is on point. Yeah, big time. And that that whole kind of concept of like road mapping, like something we speak about all, all the time inside of our business, something we do for all of our clients, like creating that roadmap for them. You know, and I put a post on Instagram about this last week. I believe it's like we are navigators. You guys are the explorers. Like we just create the map, and you guys have to follow that to get to the best route possible. Now. When it comes to this this concept of like an exit strategy, like what are we trying to achieve? Like if we're looking at the end goal of this exit strategy, like Jody said, it's just creating an optimal starting point for your next diet. You know, if you make every single diet 
as easy as the last. Your position of adherence, your position of greater results are always going to be increasing. Now, if you make your diet as harder, as harder, if you make your diet harder as your last, then your position of adherence is going to be a little bit less. So you do have a choice here. You know, like Jody said, like you've got a choice to get your food high, get your output down very low. And you've got a very, very good choice to be able to maximize the opportunity of a successful dieting phase. So the exit points for, for myself will be, of course, following the roadmap and then looking at looking at like feedback points. So roadmaps can, can all be like auto-regulated or regulated, i.e. meaning, like Jody said, you've got a 20-week diet, six weeks recovery rebound. Let's say we push it out from another 12 to 14. Let's say you got like a 20 and a 20 approach. But if we feel like a client is really getting the itch, to go again or if you feel like a client's body comp is maybe moving in, in, a, in, in a worse direction or if we just feel like the client is not accepting this new protocol you know very finding it very difficult to get their feet cemented finding it very very hard to to push inside of here that roadmap can can be changed almost instantaneously based on feedback so as the old saying goes you know it's never it's never good to be married to the, the protocol you know we, we always have to have that position of change you know as if we can become chameleons and adapt consistently to where the client is at and always just as coaches meeting the demand of the client that exit time may always change but the strategy never changes so if let's say we had a client that's now february we had a client who's been going through the rebound ultra or a recovery improvement phase all throughout you know the late summer late late winter time we had them scheduled for a diet, let's say, at, at the starting of June or May, which a lot of us will be you know, for, for many people who are competing or doing their diets throughout the summer, like May, April time. It's going to be a starting point for, for a lot of us. But if for whatever reason it had to be pulled back, well, all we have to just do there is essentially is take a step back as coaches and just assess where they are at the moment. Is their food high enough to go into a diet? Is their output in a position where we can actually start making adjustments to calories here. What's their feedback like? What's their mental state like? Because what you also don't ever want to do is, is fix a problem with a problem. Like if their problem is wanting to consistently diet, we keep on giving them diets, that's not solving the problem. But if the roadmap changes, i.e. they had to pull in an earlier um, like photo shoot time, so maybe you have to start prep early, to change date to the shows if their holiday got moved we have to start the diet earlier it always is about like assessing that whole protocol of okay well the roadmap may change but the approach doesn't and we make sure they have food high markers at a high point everything is looking really good so that automatic transition doesn't matter when it happens it's just like the protocol in which that happens is very very important and um, would you agree yeah definitely 100 yeah and it's it's always it's always important to have this like kind of and we're looking at these kind of conversations, it's like, understand what it is, how to enter, how to exit. It's important because for a lot of people, especially in today's industry, like the fitness industry just has just become so immersed in this whole kind of quick fix approach where it's six-week transformation, 12-week transformation. And I get it. I understand that. And a lot of people get really good results out there, but it's the, the what comes to follow that. That's why I think for us, why we do have a success with, with clients and coaches that we work with like long-term is because we have this roadmap available for them where they're not like married into something. And just as like a, a wrap up for today, I suppose, when we're looking at an improvement phase, like it is important to become comfortable here because if you cannot become comfortable here, your emotional attachment towards dieting is essentially what's holding you back in the long run. Like if you look at any of our clients who actually took time away and entered into like Eva Mar, prime example, and um, the golden child at the moment, like she is on her prep at the moment, absolutely killing it because she just went through an improvement phase, started off her diet well in a great position. And her response in the first four to six weeks of this, of this prep Incredible. probably could have taken us 20 weeks to do if she had never followed those protocols. So if you're thinking about like short-term pain versus long-term gain, you might have to become a little bit uncomfortable. Like you might have to see certain things move away, but the return on that investment long-term is going to be the best thing you've ever done because taking time away from a phase, just like the initial response you get entering into an improvement phase, everything goes really well from the start. Great levels of muscular fullness, food goes up, you stay really well in condition, training and performance goes up. But those first couple of weeks of improvement are always the best. Just like the first couple of weeks of dieting should always should always be the best so yeah let's not get 
I suppose, married to, to dieting consistently. And this whole approach of like, you don't always have to diet. It's, it's important to know that because there is other things that we can do, there are other phases we can enter into. And for you looking at like long-term progression of your physique, physiques are not built in dieting phases. They're showcased in dieting phases, but we have to build them out, outside. Do you agree? Work hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Work hard. So we'll wrap up there, Jody. Thank you very much for, for coming on today. We have um episode was it, 17, episode 18 uh, recorded this week with the Fit Clinic and Dr. Michelle. She's going to come on to speak about fasted training and some hormonal issues that we might see occurring with training in a fasted state. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Jody. I appreciate that. Thanks very much.